Welcome to the Practice Brave Podcast. I'm your host, Brianna Battles, a strength and conditioning coach and the founder of Pregnancy and Postpartum Athleticism. The Practice Brave Podcast brings you the relatable, trustworthy, and transparent health and fitness information you're looking for when it comes to coaching, being coached, and transitioning through the variables of motherhood and womanhood. If you're a pregnant or postpartum athlete or a coach working with this population, this show is specifically designed for you. All right, let's get started. Welcome back to the Practice Brave podcast. Today, I'm here with my friend and colleague, Jill Coleman. You probably know her as Jill Fit on Instagram. So Jill, thanks for being with us. I'm so pumped. Yeah. So I want to talk to you today about starting out and a lot of the roadblocks that we are seeing in online business, because I know that is such a huge focus of the work that you do. So many of my coaches have connected with you over the years. And you know, I think you do a great job of getting into the trenches with coaches who are trying to start out or maybe are transitioning to online and you've, you have seen it all. Can you tell me about, <laughs> about what you do? Yeah. I mean, yes. And it's funny, we were talking off air about how the space is definitely different now than when we sort of started. So um, a little bit of my background, I was a personal trainer for many years uh, working in person. I was running uh, group fitness and fitness programs at a university for a long time and was just one of those people who was just lucky to kind of be sports, athletics, group fitness, personal training, loved exercise, no big sort of transformation. However, I was a competitor for a long time, fitness competitor and like doing fitness modeling type stuff. And I got caught up in like the extreme sort of dieting space, very all or nothing extreme diets. And I knew that I wanted to start my business and I started my business in 2010. And when I did, I was like, okay, I actually can't spend all of my mental energy on eating and exercise because I like want to see this thing be successful. And at that point, it was in sort of the golden age of blogging. So I was at that time just like, you know what? I have a lot of conversations I'm having with my one-on-one clients in person. I wonder if I can like take these and just put them on the internet. So I started off Jill Fit as a blog and I figured out just and sort of needed to... <laughs> I think the business helped me release some of the like really just sort of extreme and obsessive eating and exercise practices. Now I have uh, a nutrition philosophy called Moderation 365 that came out of that. And I was able to really focus on the business. And as a blogger, I just was like, I don't really have a lot of really great ideas. I'm not like at and I think I want to validate anyone who's getting started. Sometimes one of the biggest barriers, like, I don't even know what to write. Like, I can't say it like Bree says it. I can't say it like Jill says it or whatever. I want to just like validate that it's been a practice. You know, for me, it was recipes and workouts. That was it. And I was just like, here's a recipe, here's a workout. I was just really good at being consistent. So I blogged every day for two years and we sort of grew a really loyal readership as a result of that. And about 18 months in, people started asking me like, what are you doing? How are you kind of building this? And at the time I was just doing one-on-one coaching for fat loss. And I was like, I don't really know everything, but I can like at least teach what I've done. Um, and so I started teaching the blogging model. I was like, lots of content, create a lot of content. And I think even though I wouldn't necessarily recommend someone start that now per se, there is something really valuable about building a body of work in some capacity. So whether it's podcasting or whether it's doing YouTube videos or whether it's doing blogs or whether it's doing just showing up on social media daily. Um, I know our mutual friend, the movement maestro, one of the things that she has people do is they, she has them post every single day on Instagram for the first year. And there's so much utility in that because you're not good yet. Right. And so I think give yourself permission to be bad at the beginning, I was a terrible writer. I was not a good communicator. I had all sorts of typos and grammatical errors. And people would literally message me and be like, I love your blog, but can I edit it for you? <laughs> like they couldn't stand reading it. And so I think you have to give yourself permission. And I also want to say, if you're just getting started, like this is the smallest your audience is ever going to be. So if you're going to mess up, 
now is a good time to do it. Mm -hmm. So back then for me, it was more just a side hustle and a hobby. It was something that I just really wanted. I had a lot of information I wanted to just get out into the world. I had no big dreams of creating a big business or like, you know, teaching people all over the world. Like I didn't really have those aspirations. I just said, you know, I have all this information. I want to put it somewhere that's not with my one-on-one clients. Right. And so, yeah, it's been, it's been a fun ride. Yeah. I love what you said about like, just kind of building that trust factor through consistent content. So people can learn about you by what you're putting out there and they kind of connect the person to the delivery. Yep. So when you're first starting out, there's a couple different ways of going about that, like you mentioned, but what are some things that you see a lot of business or people that are trying to get online struggle with? Mm -hmm. There's a lot. I will validate that. I think the first, and I work with a lot of beginner beginners, like literally they don't even like have an Instagram account. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I work with a lot of very newbies. And I think the biggest struggles, honestly, at the beginning are just mindset barriers. I would probably say in the first like six to 12 months, that's when you're going to have your biggest sort of mindset barriers. Mm -hmm. Because when I say mindset, I mean, comparisonitis, feeling like a fraud, feeling like you're not qualified, fear of judgment, fear of rejection, fear of getting haters and trolls, like all those sort of growing pains because it's something you've never done before. Like to think about putting your stories or your struggles or your personal life or um, even your expertise on the internet, like in blasting it out on like social media and for anyone to read it and interpret it, however they're going to interpret it feels really scary. You know, I would, I think it's funny because it's really actually adorable. Some of my new clients who are new to it will be like, Oh my God, I'm about to share this thing. And I'm so nervous. And then they'll like, I'll say, okay, tag me in it. So I can give you a little bit of love, whatever. And like, it's not at all vulnerable. (laughs) Like in my mind, I'm like, this was it. This is the thing that was scary. So I think that I think vulnerability is a practice. And I think the more you, but also they get a ton of response. They get DMs, they get people in person, you know, reaching out to them, they get, and it's those kinds of posts that really get the most traction. So one of the things I did was like, there's I mean, plenty of times at Jill Fit, there were moments where I pressed publish and just like ran away. Yeah, I was like, okay, the <laughs> reason why I need to post this is because I don't want to post it. And it's always been those ones that have gotten the best response. And when I mean, when I say best response, I mean the most related. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most resonance, the most traction. That's why someone's going to buy from you. They're not going to buy from you because you are the smartest person or you have the most certifications. They're going to buy from you because they feel a connection with you personally. Absolutely. I talk about like that relatability factor all the time. And it is so overwhelming though. It's so overwhelming to put yourself out there, not just what you know, but like how it's affected you and why they should learn from you and why like it's it's all storytelling right but you have to that vulnerability piece is so huge and because also, it's also like yeah. well what if this makes me not credible right if right. i talk about a struggle of mine or i talk about something that like frankly maybe i'm even mm-hmm. still struggling with will people not see me as credible and i don't yeah. know what your experience is but it's been the opposite for me yeah i have like i've had what, like 90%, 95% people like, yes, like I appreciate the path that you have shared. And then there's like the 5% people that just want to like, just kick you when you're down and <laughs> just poke holes. And like, yeah, kind of like call out the thing that you're most insecure about yep. or most vulnerable with. And God, taking that hit is, you know, it's part of the process, but God, it still sucks. The negativity bias, right? I mean, yeah. like we definitely pay way more attention yes to that one person who said that one thing that wasn't even maybe like a trolling comment. Maybe it was just like a question right. or maybe it like just was a little like passive aggressive, yes. like cheap shot. And you just, you fixate on it. And I will say at the beginning, I really took that stuff very personally. It would ruin like my week even, you know, I've mm-hmm. had the one person. And so, but you know what? 
what I ended up figuring out was that it was a huge disservice to the people who were there and who loved it. And I was like, this is actually unfair to focus all of my energy on this one troll or this one just confused person or this one insecure person or whatever. And it's taking away from adding value to the people who fucking love this content and just like want to be here. And so now if I get a comment like that, it's like, I don't know, maybe two seconds, five seconds. I'm like, okay, bro. Like it's not a thing at all. And, you know, I'm also open to feedback. I think sometimes things can, a lot of times things can be misinterpreted because people are seeing it through the lens they're seeing it through. And you might be like, oh, like I'll give you an example. I talk a lot about, I don't want to say personal responsibility, but like taking ownership of Mm -hmm. your process and always having like an action or being able to adjust your attitude. If you're like not having a good day or something's not going well, especially in your business, uh, there's always something you can do. There's always an action you can take. There's always a solution. There's always a pivot you can make. And so it was kind of a post around taking responsibility and ownership. And someone said, well, you know, if you have mental illness, then you really can't make a choice sometimes. Like you really, and I was like, oh Yeah it was just interesting for me. I didn't see it as like a trolling comment. I was just like, oh, this person is seeing this through the lens of mental health. Right. Whereas I had not, not seen it, but you know, at the end of the day, you can't asterisk everything right. that you post. Right. So like, I was like, oh, thanks so much. I never, I didn't see it from, from that lens. I appreciate that, but I'm also not going to go back and change the post or asterisk right. it or whatever, but it was, so I do appreciate sometimes the feedback and the questions um, because it's maybe things I wouldn't have thought about, but maybe I will moving forward. But at the end of the day, you have to just do what you consider is your best work and let the chips fall. Right. Absolutely. And I, I think there is such a, like, we kind of have like this disclaimer culture now because we are so afraid of like, how, how's this going to be interpreted? Sure. And, like we have to like kind of co- try to cover our ass in so many different sure. ways, but it does when you get so distracted by putting, inserting the disclaimers or how it's going to be interpreted by all these different people or all these different scenarios, you're not going to have content that actually hits the way that it needs to. It's so true. And I think one of the practices you can do and one of the things that will happen as a result of you taking more action and pressing publish more is you become a better communicator. Mm -hmm. So if you're worried that it's going to be misinterpreted, just communicate it better. So like see all the angles ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And I think when you have, and I know you know this too, when you have true mastery over a subject, you're able to see all the angles that oh, yeah. you're you've heard them. <laughs> right. And you're not like trying to simplify it. It's, right. de- you know, it's very um, multifaceted. It's really nuanced. So you can have that really nuanced conversation and communicate it in a way that someone, so even if they don't agree with you, they can at least see that you paid it, that you considered it, you know? Yeah. And so I know we're kind of talking in abstracts, but if you guys are just getting started and you're new to the space, one thing that I can tell you is just do your best. You're not going to be able to asterisk everything. People are going to misinterpret what you say. People are going to have their own perception of you. The relatability piece is key. And then also own your expertise, you know, like own it. I remember getting started and having this moment where I was like, is it okay for me to create stuff? Because I had been taking certifications and I had been learning from my mentors and I had been, you know, reading books and things like that. And I was like, am I, can I, you know, you almost feel like, am I, is it okay for me to create the thing that other people now consume? And the answer is yes. And no one's going to anoint you an expert. You kind of have to just say, you know what? I might not know everything. Like I didn't, I might not know everything, but I know at least enough a fifth grader can teach a fourth grade or something. So like jump in and you get better over time to where you're not just teaching one step ahead. You're teaching maybe five steps ahead or like maybe 10 steps ahead, but you have to start somewhere. And you know, there is to your point, real urgency in our space right now. It's not overly saturated, but it's more saturated than when you and I started. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, I'll start in next year, I'll start in the fall, like just 
literally post anything on social media right now and you're started. Right. Like you don't have to like start a business. You can exactly. literally just start posting stuff online like I did. I literally started a blog and press publish. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, okay, now it's a business. And over time you fill in the gaps, right. but don't wait for things to be perfect to get started. Just put your ideas out and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Just like that, that practice is really what builds what the direction that you're actually going in. Cause you might think this is what I want to do and how I want to do it. But until you're actually implementing it in whatever way you can, whether it's one-on-one with a client, whether it's teaching a class, whether it's posting stuff online and trying to kind of put your content out into the world, your opinions and stories, that is the practice at figuring out what direction you're going to end up going. Yep. I think so. Like are, this start that they're way. <laughs> waiting to be like, okay, it needs to be perfectly mm-hmm. put together. You're, you're going to, it's going to look 10 different ways than yep. it is right now. And that's okay. And that's, that's the only thing. way you get that feedback. I mean, the only way you get the feedback is from, is from just reps. Right. Oh, I love, I love talking reps because that's something that like our fitness people totally understand, but related to business, they're like, what? (laughs) You know, like, well, what do you mean reps? What constitutes reps? So can you give us some examples of that? Yeah. It's so funny. There's so many parallels between Mm -hmm. body transformation or whatever that looks like and building your business. So it's interesting because the coaches that I work with, they teach on fitness, nutrition, mindset, like they do all these things and they're trying to get their clients to see the long view, take the long view, be Mm -hmm. tenacious, keep putting it in small things, add up like all these kind of things. Right. And yet when it comes to business, they don't apply the same thing. They're like, it needed to happen yesterday. Why don't I have 10,000 followers? Why am I not getting more likes on these posts? And I want to remind all of us, it's the exact same thing. It's totally the same thing. There are so many parallels. So my experience, it is around 18 months or so that things start coming to you easier. And that, that's a long time. That can be a long time. I think the time's going to pass anyway. So my advice would be to just continue on because what else are you doing? And if you have a call to help people outside your local area, gosh, the internet is such a gift. You can literally start a free account and just start putting your ideas out like okay. I did with blogging and like see what happens, see who shows up. Time's passing anyway. So one of the things I think, one of the hardest things for newbies to this space is the feeling of it's not happening fast enough and just managing their own expectations. So when I say 18 months, what I mean is you have to be showing up for 18 months. Mm -hmm. You can't be like, it's been 18 months and you posted like three times on social media. So it's consistent action. I I think about it like pushing a boulder up a hill. The amount of effort you're putting in, in those first 18 months is not going to be commensurate with the outcomes. You're going to spend an hour crafting a post. It's going to get six likes. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you know, psych yourself up to get on Instagram stories and you're going to get 30 views. Like these things are going to happen. So the effort and the time you're putting into building this business is not going to be shown in the outcomes. Right. You're not going to get the results that you think you quote should. And this is frankly why so many people give up. But the opposite happens on the other side. And I'm sure you can attest to this too, where you have now built a body of work, you've built trust, you've kind of broken through that sort of trust barrier to the point where like you do a little bit of stuff and a bit, you get a big result even, you know, like some, you, maybe you post one time about a new lead magnet or a new freebie you're putting out and you get like hundreds of people to opt in. You don't have to try as hard. This is kind of the equivalent of pushing the boulder over the hill. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden it's going down the other side and a lot more opportunities are coming to you as a result of the work you put in, in those first 18 months. Right. So you do need to hang on. And on some level, you have to fucking love it. I think so many people are doing it for the wrong reasons. They're doing it because they hate their current job. Right. Because they are just like so miserable in whatever other situation they have. They have to pay the bills this week. Like I would 
try to not come into the space with an urgent, desperate energy, because I think you're going to, you're going to fizzle out really quickly. Yeah. I love that point. I think that so many people are feeling desperate and are feeling urgent, like, well, I got to do this and I need to have the results and I need to be making money because I just paid for somebody to help me set up a website. I need all these different things. And I think when you are first trying to get started, you just need to put any kind of skin in the game, put it out there. It doesn't have to be like this formal business plan. You don't have to have this website set up or anything like that. You can really just build trust. And that's what's going to help you sell and make money in that 18 months to two-year period. Because now you have the credibility. Why like, would you buy from somebody if you didn't know what they did or why they did it or knew that they had street cred? No, consistency no. is a trust builder, right? right? So for example, and we see this a lot where people show up and they get so excited about their business, they're going to build it. And maybe they're hot on social media for like a, maybe a month or two. And then all of a sudden they're off for six months. Mm-hmm. As a potential client or potential customer, that doesn't instill confidence. I'm like, where'd they go, right? right? Like it just, I think for me, that was why blogging every day for the first two years was so important. People would check my blog before they even check their email in the morning. Yeah. There was like this sense of like, I'm there, I'm going to show up for you. And you frankly have to to keep that going. It doesn't mean you can't take a week off of vacation and be off social media for a time and take a break, but you have to break through that trust barrier at the beginning. People don't know you can't show up on the scene and be like, I have the best coaching. And I'm like, you're new, bro. Like, you know, and so it's like, cool, we need to see, we just need to see what, and frankly, one of the things you and I are talking about off air, and I think this is good to remember is the kinds of numbers that we're seeing now too, I think is really fucking with people's heads. So if you're new to internet business and you're like, okay, I'm a coach. I want to now do distance coaching. I just got Bree cert. And now I want to go out and like get clients all over the world. I think you're kind of, when you're comparing yourself to someone who has literally a hundred thousand followers, like our neighbor literally could have like a million followers. It's like the level of numbers that we're seeing now, right. we never saw those before. So I think the assumption is I need to be there. I need to get to 10,000 followers. I need to get this much. I got to make be making what that magic number of $10,000 a month that everyone's trying to get to. It's like, I just want to say that I think that context is really making us feel inadequate. and the things that worked are still working. Show up every day, put in, you know, do your best work, you know, be relatable, be an expert, build trust, have conversations, be accessible, you know, answer your DMs, like give, 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 and it will work, but try not to get caught up in where you think you should be. I think that's a huge service. Absolutely. And I know that a lot of people that go through my certification are moms and they're trying to balance this pursuit of motherhood in a way that they can also coach, but maybe it's not this like, full-time thing. So instead of comparing yourself to the person who has 10,000 followers or hundred thousand followers, say like, what would success look like for my family, for my situation? Because success, at least for me was never, and is never just measured financially. It's not, if I'm not happy with what I'm doing, if I'm not creating, if I'm not doing something like that, then the rest doesn't really matter. I have to feel fulfilled and it has to make sense for my lifestyle. And so when you can start and you're first starting out, like, does the work that you're doing make sense for the life that you're wanting to live or that you're currently living? Mm. And trying to look through it through that scope instead of this comparison of likes or numbers or you know how many units sold on a webinar that you try to do. Because like that is so hard to manage those expectations when you compare, compare, compare. It's so true. And I also want to validate that like, you know, I think you're the most susceptible 
to feeling as though you should be doing it a certain way when you're mm-hmm. at the beginning, right? Because you think oh, yeah. there's like some sort of success script right. that you should be following. So you might look at Brie and be like, well, she does this and she has a podcast. So I need to start a podcast. And it's like, you hate talking. You're not yeah. good at it or whatever. You like, so you have to really, I love that you mentioned that, like filter through everything you could do through what you want to do. Right. And that is a practice. You know, you're able to say that now because you're years in and you have a lot of discernment behind you and practice and you know, you know what your strengths are and you know what your weaknesses are. I think a lot of people coming into it, they are a blank slate. They don't know what they're good at. They don't know what they're bad at. They're just looking at someone like you and going, well, that's where I want to get to. So I need to do the exact same things she does without ever filtering it through what could actually work for them in their lifestyle and their family. Right. And I think that social media especially is such an echo chamber. So I, when I have all these coaches they all have inspiration. They all have like similar stories or reasons that they want to serve this population. And then they all follow each other online, which again, is great. There's a great culture and support team. We are all on the same team trying to help. Like it's truly not this competition thing. It's more of a collaboration, but even still, I think it can be distracting to say, well, she said it that way. And well, Bree said it this way. How do I put my own words and experiences out or like own messaging and education out into the world without just like copying? Or on the other end of that, like the people who see it and they're like, did she just kind of copy what I said last week? How do you go about navigating like that mindfuck of seeing your stuff get reiterated or not wanting to be the person who's totally playing off of that and reiterating? I just love that you said that's an echo chamber because I run into some of my clients too, because they all follow each other and right. it's great. And like they support each other and like each other's comments, but I agree with you. I think sometimes it can feel like everyone's saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. So then you go, well, how am I different? Right. I also just want a high level. Like if you're following Brie, you're following me, like we have a really nuanced message. The greater fitness message is still the Jillian Michaels biggest loser mm-hmm. shit, right? Like it's still the like eat less, exercise more, right. like hate yourself into submission. Like it's still all of that. Right. But I think we have created, and it's great, we've created these bubbles where it is a lot of like more positive body image and like a lot of like more nuanced conversations. So it's easy to feel as though there's no space for you. Right. So in terms of being able to navigate that, of course, we can do the more logistical stuff, but like muting people and whatever, I find that, and maybe you can speak to this too, once I sort of made the mental shift from consumer to creator... I kind of put my blinders on because I was like, I'm here to do a fucking job. You know, like I I think at the end of the day, I get on social media and not, I mean, I'll like love up on my friends on social media, whatever. Maybe this is kind of like uh, obnoxious to say, but I don't read that many people shit. Yeah. Like I just don't. And it's not because I don't think they're great. I do think they're great, but I'm not there to consume and learn from them necessarily. I'm there because if I want to learn something, I'll go get the book. I'll go hire the person. I'll, like if I have very, something very specific I want to learn, I'm not like passively learning all day. I'm more or even needing to be inspired all day, by the way. So for me, I get on, I post, I take care of my home base and I get the fuck off. Like that's mostly what I do. And yeah, do I maybe every once in a while I'll get caught up in scrolling? Sure. If I do, I'm like, what am I doing right now? Right. And I'll just be like, cool, I'm going to get off. Not because it's messy in my head because it's a waste of time, frankly. You know, so I think you're really susceptible in those first couple of years of feeling as though you're doing it wrong if you're not doing it the way that Bree's doing it, or the way that someone else that you mm-hmm. think is successful is doing it. 
there's a million ways to arrive at success. And at the end of the day, you have to love your business. You know, it's funny, a couple of years ago, I was in a mastermind and there was a lot of people who are like hugely successful people who were running like these seven figure, multiple seven figure businesses. And they looked at me and they were like, I love what you do. I feel imprisoned by this business. How can I literally ask me like how to start a blog? I was like, what? Like multiple seven figure business owners, but they hated the situation that they got themselves into. They got to the top of the mountain. It was a wrong mountain. You know? So I think you always have to filter everything through. Like, can I live with this? I don't know about you, but I'm here to have like a legacy business. I want this shit to be like a 20, 30 year career. I'm not trying to like a hot wire or something. Absolutely. You know, I want this, everything that I've done in business has grown up with me and I want that to keep happening. And if you can look at business and you're not going to, you don't necessarily know where it's going to end up, but it's something that you enjoy enough to keep doing. I think that's, I mean, that's so impactful. And there's so many people I think that do get caught up in that comparison. And I wanted to say this, and it wasn't until honestly, fairly recent within the last year that I just started making that shift myself. And it's not that I was like looking at somebody's stuff and like learning from them. It was just that mindlessness of scrolling and being like, God, like this this stuff is everywhere. And while it can be really cool to see (laughs) it, it also can just be this mind fuck, right? It can just kind of mess with you to see, to see that. And you have to be able to just get on there and say, I'm the creator. Uh, Heather always makes fun of me. She's like, Hey, did you see that one post? Or did you, do you know who this one person is? Do you follow the person? I'm like, no, like, I don't know who anyone is. I don't know anything that's going on. Like I just, I like kind of live in my own bubble, but that is what helps me create in a way that's actually authentic to me and the messaging that we're putting out there. And I think it's really hard to do that when you're trying to find inspiration from from like your peers. Only. Yes. Yeah. Like no, it's your so own true. inspiration. I will admit I got, so both of us sort of live in LA and I, I will admit a few years ago, I was in a mastermind. It was like kind of a high profile mastermind, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did get caught up in needing to do things a certain way and look a certain way yeah. and have a certain. And then I just like, afterwards, I was like, that's not me. Like, it just felt very like clicky to me. It felt very like yeah. status driven. And I was like surrounding myself by people. I'm like, these people are not at all like me. I feel like this is fake or this is whatever. And it's fine. They're great and they're super successful, but it just wasn't me. And I had this moment of like, okay, this actually isn't how I want to build my business. And so I went back to like, what do I want to do? Put my blinders back on. And so I think even if you've been doing it for a while, it's easy to get caught up in the latest thing. Everyone's on Clubhouse right now or whatever it is. And you can feel the sense of FOMO the basics always work, you know, like the basics always work, put out a piece of content. If you don't, I always tell my girls, if you don't know what to do, post something on social media today. Mm -hmm. Like it puts you right back in your power. Not that social media is like the end all be all. It's certainly not equivalent to having a business, but you can't build a business without putting out content somewhere. Right. So if it's YouTube or podcasting or blogging or social media, that's where your people are hanging out. That's where your potential clients are hanging out. So while I don't love getting caught up in the numbers on social media, that is where your people are at. So to me, it's a gift that we have this free platform where we get to broadcast our opinions right. and our expertise and our stories and people fucking listen. I don't care if yeah. it's seven people who like that post, like that's seven people yeah. whose lives might've been changed by that post. Right. And so maintaining that perspective, I think is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like we talked about earlier, you know, so many, we have to remember this is a privilege to be able to put our stuff out there, to even have the opportunity to maybe even attempt to have a business or to have this hobby that we care a lot about that actually maybe makes us some money every once in a while or whatever. Like it is, we have such a great built-in platform to our, to our culture now. And why not leverage that 
what like when we can for as long as we can. And it just looks different, right? Like also right. remember like this this like internet business or like personal branding business has not been around for a long time. Right. So it can look however you want it to look. Right. You know, and so there's not really sure are they best practices, but a best practice is only as good as its ability to be implemented by you. Right. Right. So if someone's like, we need to do a podcast. And again, if you don't like talking, you need to get on webinars. I don't want to do public speaking. That's not my thing. Right. I'll give you an example. I had this when I was teaching the blogging model years ago, I had a client whose English was her second language. And so she was trying to write all these blogs and it was just taking her forever. She'd had to literally hire someone to come in and like edit them to make sure they made sense and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, you know what? We're not doing that. Just video. I was like, you're, you are aesthetic. You have this amazing body. Your clients want to look like you. You are a great coach. So you can like speak, you know? And so we just started doing videos and like her shit took off. So you have to really think about, okay, there might be a best practice, but is it a best practice for me? Yes. It's right. I'm such a big believer in like finding what actually works for you. What's the right thing for you? There is no set formula. I wish there was, but just like when we're coaching, there's no one way to, to help one person, right? We have to get really creative in our process and figure out what meet that person where they are. And right now that person is you. So you work with a lot of new newbies to business, but talk to me about still being in the trenches and why it's important to work with people in real life first, maybe before or alongside also building your online stuff. Just yeah. I would love your take on that. It's so good. And I really think it is true. There's, you know, a couple of schools of thought. I think some people are like, well, if you have the expertise, you can just, you know, coach the people or create a course. And, and that's fine. I really think it is important that we have reps. I still take one-on-one coaching clients for business because yeah. to me, like I want to know what's happening in the trenches. Yeah. You know, I'm, I have a large list, I have a large audience. And so for me, things are a little bit easier at this point. So I want to know what it's like to be a brand new internet coach and have 250 followers. Like, what does that look like? You know? And like, okay, like do some of these strategies that maybe I would use, do they translate to someone who has a small audience or maybe hasn't like built their list quite yet? Does Do those things translate? And if they don't, what's the alternative? What's the pivot there? I think getting the reps gives you the context that you need to know that everyone's different too. And I think that's important, like to have those more nuanced conversations. I can tell if someone is more of a clinical coach versus like a theory coach. Does that make Mm -hmm. sense? So one of the things that when I started teaching business and I see this a lot, a lot of people will talk about how, who, if they're a business coach that they are, you know, making six figures, multiple six figures, seven figures, only when they started doing business coaching. And that's fine. But we know that a business coaching price tag is typically higher than for a fitness and nutrition price tag. Jill Fit was a six-figure business online just with fitness and nutrition before I even started teaching business. So I think sometimes it's a disservice to someone to say, who, if they're a health coach, like you can get here when like they're coaching business. Does that make sense? So like to me, I would try and seek out mentors or coaches who have been successful in the space that you want to go in before moving to more business coaching. Cause I think it's a natural progression is like, you kind of get to a space, but for me, I still do like a third of my revenue is fitness and nutrition gen pop products, you know? So I still want to be in there. I still want to know what's working. It's evolved over time, but to me, it's an important part of the context for the business coaching that I do. Right. I love like learning from people who like, I'm, I'm not trying to have any more babies. Like I'm, I'm fully (laughs) retired, but it is good for me to be reminded of like those feelings and emotions that they're experiencing during that season. And, And, you know, while I think that, oh my God, we've come so far with having more information about diastasis or more information about this, there's still people that are like, I'm clueless. I have no idea. And like, oh, okay, well, we're still right here. Like, you know, like it still has not reached 
the masses that it needs to reach. So just like keeping your finger on the pulse is so key. It's so key because I think it's so easy to sit around and take courses and Mm -hmm. read books and read research and like have all of the more like theoretical expertise. We see this a lot of people who just like love to read research and stuff and they, they come off really smart and, you know, definitely, but they, but when was the last time they work with a client, right? You know, that's a totally different skill set. It's soft skills, it's compliance, it's retention, it's right. trust building. It's all of these more relationship skills yeah. that we know are a huge part of someone making that transformation. Like yeah. they don't need more information. They need implementation. Right. And a good coach is going to be able to do that. Right. And don't you feel that for a lot of new coaches that are just starting out, being able to get the reps in person helps them be better online. Totally. Totally. Because that's the thing is like online is, it is, it's great. But, and I, I do get a lot of people who come from in person, they go, I don't know how to translate this to online. Mm -hmm. I think getting more reps in person, if you've had, I mean, I was a personal trainer for 12 years straight and like literally working 70 to eight hours a week in the gym. I was coaching literally dozens of clients all the time and have, you know, probably over 10,000 people in group fitness classes. And I was able to go, I worked with all these people out of all of the people I work with, like 70% of them did really well with these couple big dial movers. Maybe I'll take these things and I'll put Mm -hmm. them into a course because I know that the majority of people will get a good result with just these things rather than just trying to like just go off theory and put a whole bunch of stuff in a course that maybe would not be impactful. You know, so I think it's important to get some reps on the ground. You don't have to stay there forever. I think there's some people who are like, yeah, you need to be there for a decade, like your 10,000 hours or whatever it is. A couple of years, you know, a couple of years while you're building your internet business to me is totally so valuable for me. I, it wasn't until last year that I stopped coaching in person. I only did because of COVID, but I loved being able to have this hybrid model where Like I got in my, I was in the trenches by coaching a lot of different people just three days a week, three hours a week. And that was my high touch in-person stuff. But I saw a lot of bodies through a lot of different seasons, through a lot of different issues, through a lot of different like wins and, and struggles, but that built my online content because it wasn't just my personal experience. It was, it was what I was experiencing as a coach. And it was what I was experiencing, um, just figuring things out where I'm like, you know what? I used to say this or coach that or believe this. And actually, I just don't believe that anymore. And then the client that had been with me for two years is going through another transformation because actually what I told you before, I don't agree with anymore. So now we're going to do it this way. Or now we're going to try, try to troubleshoot it in this capacity. And that helped build the online stuff. And I think people are so desperate just to have this online business only that they don't see the value in having even like a mini hybrid offer where they're still getting reps in by being more hands-on. And I know that COVID kind of threw us all, but in the very same capacity, if there's an opportunity in your community to be involved, that's where there's so much impact. We talked earlier about that um, that echo chamber. There's not an echo chamber in your community. There's no. just not. And so if you can build and get some ownership and expertise in your community, this is like very much geared towards the professionals that I work with, but I think it has a lot of carryover. If you can be that go-to person in your community, that translates so well online and that gives you that confidence to start putting stuff out there and share those experiences and just kind of get over that hump of, ooh, who am I? (laughs) Well, yeah. And that's the thing. And I want to validate that like your first customer, your first online customers will be people you know, Mm -hmm. right? They'll be people who maybe knew you from a past life, maybe you went to high school with, maybe you went to college with, maybe worked at a gym you no longer work at, but they loved your workouts. Like, So I think there's this 
feeling of this urgency of like, I need to get strangers. I need to build my following. Mm-hmm. It's like love up on the people who already know you, yes. right? They already have a relationship with you. So if you're in a local gym and you're like, I'm going to take on a couple of clients, don't discount the fact that now people who might not work with you in person are seeing you in the gym, right? right? They're seeing you. There are people that you're, you're getting referrals. Like you might be able to do a, a talk in person. I know you're big on that. And like, that will help you build your online business. Yeah. All of my, like my, literally my first clients were like my cousins and my yeah. aunts and like, you know, people I went to high school with. I still yeah. had people who I went to high school with or junior high school buy my products because we already have not we don't have like necessarily a relationship, but we have a trust. Right. They knew me from 20 years ago, but right. like still, you know, there's something there. Who else are you going to go to? They're not right. going to hire someone who has a million followers on Instagram, random person. They're going to hire me. Right. And so don't discount your local area, your inner circle, your friends, family, acquaintances, friends of friends. Like they're going to be your early adopters and they're also going to be your biggest cheerleaders yep. to help you build your business to 100%. eventually getting strangers. A hundred percent. I think that's like our, you got to go with that next right thing. And that next right thing is typically your warmest lead. Who is your earliest connection that you can use, whether it's the person who owns a gym and you know that he has clients that you may be able to influence and help, whatever that thing might be, that person that you know is struggling, that you know posted about a diastasis in a mom group. All right. Then like be the person that can help her. She wants that help. And then you get that. You can share her story along with your story. And that helps build that content of getting the reps in to figure out what you actually do believe as a coach. Yes. And you know, you, you don't know that until you're putting it out there. It's so true. I mean, and I think getting the clinical reps really helps you refine your message, you know, because that's the thing is like, we can, you know, you can take Bree's certification and you can be like, okay, well, she does like this and you can like regurgitate all those things. But until you start getting your own reps and going, oh, like I love Bree's stuff for this, but you know what this, and this is literally how moderation 365 came about. At that point, I was doing a lot of like fat loss programming and a lot of sort of like female, I mean, I'm so embarrassed by some of the content that I put on my website 10 years ago. But I remember looking around the space and like at the time I was trying to stay on diets. I had clients who were trying to stay on diets and like they just couldn't. And this is the time when like if it fits your macros, I mean, macros mm-hmm. obviously still big, but like flexible dieting was just getting started. Yeah. No one was intuitive eating wasn't a thing back then. Right. You know, now it's a lot bigger, but I was looking around and going, wow, there's no one's really talking about this like how people can't stay on these diets. Why can't they? There's a lot of shame around it. And so I was like, I'm seeing all this stuff. Maybe we can sort of create a curriculum around this. Maybe there's some tools here to help us not feel so bad about not being able to stay on these extreme diets. So, you know, I think you'll know what your message will be as a result of seeing how you're the feedback you're getting from mm-hmm. clients in person or clients online, you know? And so I think, I don't know, I'll always be in the trenches. I haven't done like fitness and nutrition one-on-one stuff in a long time, but the business stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Just what are the problems? What are the problems I'm experiencing now? Yep. What problems did I experience before? What problems are my clients telling me they still totally. have? What problems do my coaches say that they're having in business or in applying the material? Cool. That's going to help us figure out how to kind of counter those problems with some form of a solution. Yep. And the internet space is changing so much too. I think that's why it's really important. I've definitely had moments where I'm like, oh, that's not working anymore. Like the blogging model, right? Like it would never again. There was a moment where I was like, okay, this actually isn't working anymore. If this isn't working, what is working? And I think you have to maintain a a pivot mindset. You have to be willing to like, you know, for me, it was a couple of ego hits, Mm -hmm. things that were working for me. And I've been in this space long enough to have like some huge pivot moments in my business to go like, yeah, 
that's not working anymore. Yeah. I can't teach that anymore. I can't do that anymore. If it's not that, what is it going to be? And that's mm-hmm. a scary moment because you know something's not working, but you don't know what the solution is quite yet. Right. To me, I get a lot of soulless from knowing that the solution is out there. I just don't know it yet. Right. You know, I'm like, okay, it's definitely there. Like yeah. people are still successful. People are still buying shit online. So like where, so how then, mm-hmm. you know? So I think when you get your business to a certain level, tried and true tactics work, you know, like email marketing will never not work and stuff like this. But like when you're first getting started, you have to be a little bit more agile because you have to go where the momentum is and not get so caught up in just doing something one way. God, it's so true. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. I love this insight. I think it's so helpful. Can you tell us where people can find you, what you have going on in the next few months. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so if you guys love business content and want more like intro to business content, my podcast fit biz you, um, which Bree is actually on as well, um, is a great place to start. All the episodes are 15 minutes or less and I would be published Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So it's always a little either inspiration or tactic or action step, um, to just put you in the frame of mind of continuing on with the, the tenacity mindset, that marathon mindset. And then at Jill fit on Instagram, jillfit.com is the website and would love to hear from you guys in your DMS and what I can help you with. And there's a whole bunch of free resources all over the internet. So yeah, get after it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you are a postpartum athlete and you're really trying to figure out what next, what does my return to fitness look like? What do I do about my core, my pelvic floor? How do I get back into the movements I want to do in a way that I feel really confident about? I have you covered because I know exactly what it's like to be where you are as a coach, as an athlete, and as a mom. So I want you to download six exercises for the first six weeks postpartum. It's a free resource and it just goes over everything that I think is really important to take into consideration during those early weeks postpartum. Now, if you're ready to begin more of an exercise program, say you've been cleared by your doctor or midwife, I have a eight week postpartum athlete training program, which acts as the perfect entry back into fitness, into the gym, into the kind of movement that you want to do where it's still respecting the changes your body has gone through and how your baby was delivered, but it really helps connect your rehab into the kind of fitness that you want to do in a way that's relatable and fun and exactly what your body needs right now on behalf of your long-term function and performance.